Hello and welcome to the latest edition of From the Dugout. Tonight I'm joined by East Fife boss Darren Young to look back in his football career and management, tell us what his day-to-day entails in his role and we'll see what else takes our fancy over the next three quarters of an hour or so. Darren, first of all, welcome. How are you getting on during what has been some tricky times of late? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, it's, <laughs> obviously, it's just, as you said, it's tricky times and it's just kind of went on and on and on, to be honest. Um, but now, obviously, it's, it's, hopefully we can see light at the end of the tunnel. But it's obviously hard to start off with because, uh, obviously, when we spoke to the players, we didn't really know it was going to be a month or two. And now we're kind of four or five months down the line. And hopefully, it's looking like when we're going to start back in uh, October with the, with the League Cup sections. It's the start of October and then the League in the kind of middle of October. So, hopefully, if we can, we can do that or we can aim for that anyway, it gives it gives the players something to start to, to work towards. And as someone that has spent so much of their life in football, this prolonged absence uh, it must be quite a difficult thing to to really get your head around the, the family will be seeing you a hell of a lot more yeah I thought that's a good, the good side to things uh, obviously you're not working and you're, you get to see the wee one and you get to see the missus all the time so um, although the wee one's only two and a half so after a while it can be a bit um, at the start of the lockdown when you had uh, nobody to kind of maybe come and maybe get you a wee break it's <laughs> been 24-7 and he's bouncing on beds and bouncing your head so it's, it's hard work but, uh, but it's great just to kind of see him and, uh, like, even just the wee, the wee changes around for day to day it's been brilliant and looking back on last season for your team finished up in fifth place narrowly outside the playoff positions at the point that the league was suspended when you look at the the fact that you looked well placed to push on in a league that had the likes of Airdrie, Falkirk, Wraith Rovers, does that represent a, a pretty satisfying season? Uh, okay, kind of yeah, no. I mean, the whole season we'd actually been in the, the playoff positions, and it was they had a um, was it Strath in the week of the or the week before the the virus thing when it all got stopped and basically they'd won the game in hand I think they scored with 10 minutes to go or something and they went above us so we'd basically been in the position the whole season obviously we eight games to go then I mean, we, we lose the we, they'd won the, the spare game or an extra game and they went above us but I think I think we were we felt comfortable we felt confident enough that we could have kicked on and stayed in the playoffs and actually got into the playoffs for the first time in the, the kind of club's history so it would have been great if we'd done that we, we just kind of missed out the season before uh, we managed to get a better point total than the season before and then last season again we got a better point total this season again we were, I think we were maybe a point off where we were last year but we still had eight games to play, so I think we were, we were pretty confident that we could have we could have reached it. Everyone was kind of coming back for fitness. Everyone was kind of there or thereabouts. So um, we, were, we were confident we could have done it. And I mentioned there, and we spoke a wee bit before you came on about League One this season, containing the likes of Wraith, Falkirk, Airdrie, full-time clubs, other sides within the league as well, boasting a decent sized budget so very competitive league was it a new task in terms of having to prepare your players for coming up against so many professional sides in that league 
No, not at all. I mean, we, we had it probably the season before when we went in the cup runs and did well in the cups. Um, like we, we got to the semi-final of the Challenge Cup, so we were playing against a few full-time teams there, and then you were, we played in the Scottish as well. We would managed to get to the last 16, I think it was, it was party. We ended up knocking us out, I think we'd beaten Queen of the South in that as well. So, no, we, 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 for some reason we kind of seem to do well or, or when we're playing against the kind of full-time teams or the, the so-called bigger, better teams, but... But at the same time, we've got, you've got to, um, you just kind of got to adapt whether it's a change of formation, personnel. Um, obviously, one of the games has been kind of rafed the last few seasons as well, full time. So it's been good encounters there. We managed to kind of beat them as well. What was it? The kind of first time in 30 years. So that was that was great um, to, to kind of come in and do that. One of the things that fans had when they'd spoken to them and they're like, oh, look, if just, just please beat Rafe Rovers. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then <laughs> in the very first game we played Rafe, the batter was 5 0. <laughs> and um, we were like, oh, God. But um, it was just kind of one of those days. Um, everything that went wrong did go wrong. But um, since then we've, we've kind of upped our game. We've managed to beat them a few times. But no, it's, it's the, the boys. The players do that. Even myself, for no reason whatsoever. You, you just if you're playing at Rangers or a Celtic, and it's whatever it may be. There's, there's a bigger, better atmosphere. There's, there's more to the game, and everybody just kind of seems to be that more up for it. And it's the same for for, for the boys. They seem to kind of raise their game, and it's, it's great to see that. And also, one of the challenges of being part-time will be balancing your work life with with your football life. And the guests that I've had on so far have all described their, their role in football management as almost all-consuming. How do, you, how do you find balancing the day job, family life, and then obviously that very hectic world of football management as well? Yeah, what uh, was a stage during the day, so it's it's obviously one of those things that we train Tuesday, Thursday nights um, through the Orium, and then obviously get the game on the Saturday. So I mean, I, I kind of work it work it between everything. I've got my diary, Megan uh, in the office, so she'll kind of she has my diary, and I'll just kind of leave spaces for when to be putting in things, whether it's valuations and dunes. Um, and then obviously you get your training nights but at the same time there might be times when I'm going to watch games and stuff and again it's just a case of sticking in a diary and, and working it that way uh, but it's, it's not easy um, to get a wee bit of grief now and then but it's, it's just one of those things you're, you're kind of you're kind of doing everything that means to an end you're, you're wanting to kind of obviously bring in some money for the work side of things but at the same time you're, you're working your, your bars off to, to do well with football and whether that's again we, we'll turn up maybe a couple of hours early before training just to go over stuff me myself and Tony uh, maybe Lindsay the goalie coach and then Fizzle the lawn as well just all kind of putting a wee bit in seeing how players are if, if boys are fit and boys are training and again who's daft think suspense is going over maybe who you're playing against is the team you're coming up against how did they perform the week before and, and just maybe doing a wee bit of analysing before we can kind of get to there and then maybe we can kind of set the training sessions up for how can we get at teams how can we where's their weak spots um, and again it's our team and our formation may change if we, if we, if we decide to uh, week to week depending on the personnel and depending on uh, who you're up against and the players of course, in the, in the same boat, that must present its own challenges as well in terms of, again, and like there's there's a lot more of a focus in issues such as, as mental health issues and, and things like that. Also, maintaining your fitness while still having to hold down a, a full time job. It, there's there's different challenges and and possibly quite unique to the to the lower leagues in Scotland in that sense that. 
I, I guess you've maybe got to adopt a, a kind of role as a as a bit of a father figure for some of these guys. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, I think the guys have got their own families or girlfriends, and um, they've got their own problems. And again, whether they be work or whatever. And again, uh, I feel I'm very approachable. Doors always open, and even for things with regards to training as well. So you've got the situation where. Um, guys are can't make any training they're late coming back to their job they've maybe not got a babysitter they're, they're ill or whatever you maybe get a plan and all that sorted the night before and you just go in and kind of sit down with the guys just to confirm it uh, and then all of a sudden somebody can't make it and your numbers are maybe going to a, a 15 or a 14 or a 14 which is a horrible number because you're then got a spare body you're trying to maybe do exercises in twos or threes or fours um, but it's just one of these things you, you, you work with it you deal with it it's, it's part time football it's, it's the way it is um, again for the guys first and foremost family and all that is, is, is your first thing if there's anything wrong and there's a few guys who, who can't make it people are ill or somebody's maybe passed away and things like that so it's, it's again it's just kind of been there for them and, and helping them and for, for myself and Tony it's they're trying to help guys guys that are still good enough to, to maybe go and make that step up but again you've got for us the, the kind of guys that we sign they're the, the right type that want to improve themselves or, or just they're good pros they're guys that are kind of been there done it uh, mixed in with some young boys who probably been unlucky not to get a chance at full time or probably been in full time maybe not quite cut it and they've, they've maybe had to drop down a level to, to go back up so it's, it's great for us to see other guys going and playing football and great to see for us other guys going and getting their, getting their opportunity to, to go and back full time and, and while it's, it's obviously a small club it's a, a club with a, a fan base that are very passionate about their club and and you see that in, in quite a lot of occasions in terms of even the travel and support at these cup games that you mentioned last year with the, the Iron Brew Cup as well there's Always yeah, a lot of talk about the the forty two teams and and that being too many, but try tell that to anybody that's a, a supporter of one of these clubs, eh? Yeah, no, I mean it's I, I, mean, I don't I don't kind of agree with that. I mean, there's, there's enough teams, and even in the Lowlands League, there's, there's teams that are doing well, and there's teams that are, are possibly some of the signings even been further down. You look at maybe Darvo, some of the players that they're signing, guys that have been playing in the Championship last year, League One, so. Uh, even down at the lower levels there's teams striving to improve and progress to better themselves and, uh, and I guess it's up to other, other clubs other part-time clubs as well to, to kind of either stay at that level uh, I think a lot of it as well teams have maybe got to live within their means um, sometimes it's just not quite happened and there's, there's maybe teams out there that are kind of maybe overspending over budgeting um, but at the same time uh, for me you've, you've got to kind of, kind of deal with the budget you've got um, it's, it's, one of those things let's go back to the start Uh, your managerial career and and your job at Albion Rovers I had Kevin Harper on a couple of weeks ago and I was telling him about an interview I'd done for Nutmeg magazine and and turning up at Clifton Hill and just being struck by (laughs) the surroundings on that day it was a freezing cold December morning that I spoke to him it's certainly not the most glamorous location, uh, but what a place to, to cut your teeth and what a first season you had as well uh, to take the club into League One. A huge, huge achievement. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, there was a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of guys in the game had kind of asked the, 
sort of questioned me to be honest um, and I thought why are you, why are you going to help in Rovers and geez, oh and they're, they're all finished in 8th, ninth, or 10th all the time and and for, you know, from my point of view I was like well yeah they, they, they do and they have done and I says, but I don't, I don't feel under any pressure it's going there to, can we get into the playoffs can we get uh, a wee bit of luck maybe get to get playoffs and get promoted and stuff did I think we were going to win the league probably not but it's just that way you know one game at a time and for me it's you're kind of learning at the very very bottom as you said it's a very unique stadium um, it's got a lot of character and Again, there's a lot of volunteers when we were there kind of helping out and whether it was a pitch and just round about the stadium and match days and all that, it was great. And that's that for, for part-time teams, a lot of them, it's the lifeblood. Um, these guys come in and, and they help out. And again, it's just that they love the club and they want to sort of do the wee bit for the club. They don't take a penny. And, and it's great when you, when you do do well and you get on a wee cup run or you do get to play off or get in it gives them something to kind of look forward to and be happy about and the head of first season for us was amazing to, to win the league and go up as, as champions it was brilliant and I remember the last game of the season we got a full, a full capacity it was about 1200 or 1000 fans I think it was something like that um, so it was great to kind of see that and get the trophy and again for me starting out it was it was brilliant and what about that debut you're obviously starting off as a as a player manager, Airdrie in the cup, and to turn over your local rivals four two, and and also get on the score sheet, uh, can't really write a much better start. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think they've been beating them in so I can't remember so many years, and then I think when they, since they'd moved to that stadium, Airdrie, we'd never beat them at that stadium. It was like thirty five years or twenty five years or something. I don't know. And um, we'd we'd obviously gone. <laughs> Uh, in the stadium we went in the extra time and then went in the penalties and then obviously final penalty they've missed it but he missed it before me and I stepped up and got a chance to win it so it was, it was a great game to go and score the penalty beat their bandy rivals um, but no it was, it, was, it was great and obviously for that day on it just kind of improved and we went in the run I think, I think like during the season I think it was Alan Moore out broke at the time and I think they were about 12 points clear everybody but they had I mean it made about three or four games in hand and then all of a sudden we just get, get one and one I think we went about 12 games in a row where we were unbeaten we were like maybe eight or nine wins and a couple of draws so that kind of helped us we were bought up and then we went past them and then I think I, I, since we went past them that was it then I never cause and then to, to go up to the, the third tier and hold your own again a, a sixth place finish defying expectations how how was the transition of moving Rovers into to League One and, and how did you find the, the step up? I think it was, it was probably pretty easy. I think we, we managed to sign or keep the kind of majority of the guys that we wanted to keep. Um, there was there's big Mark McGuigan, he'd left and he'd I mean, big Mark who's come in and did very well for us he ended up, he ended up going away and maybe doubling his wages or more Ali Love is the same he did brilliant for us and again obviously the budget constraints and stuff you, you, you need uh, these guys that don't uh, begrudge you it because at the end of the day they've, they've played their part for you they've done well and when the guys come in and again just didn't have an honest chat with them at the end of the season they say like, this is what we've kind of been offered to go for one at a time 
I'm like, ah, look, she goes, good luck to you. He goes, there's no way I can get anywhere near that. Um, that's two players for me. So, again, it's great to, it's great for these guys to go and do well because it, it's, it's, it's a bit inside us that you're saying, well, do you know what? We've, we've helped this guy. He's had one of his best seasons. He's scored his most goals and he's got his most assists or he's got player of the year or something. And it's it's good that they go away and they go and, well, they sort of bigger and better. So, fair enough. Um, but we managed to, to keep the squad together, most of the guys, and I think as I think that we've done East Fife as well. We, we kind of try to get the guys signed up. As I said before, it's you're looking at the right type. I was always told when I was going into management that the recruitment's the hardest part. So for us, one of the things that's kind of it's been good is to sort of keep the players. The players are kind of they must be happy that we're doing something right and happy to be signed again. And uh, even this season, look at uh, sixteen boys from, from last season signed up um, and again I think that kind of shows and tells you what, what the kind of boys think and how they feel about the place and the training and, and, and the club and stuff but uh, at, at Rovers at that time um, I think it was it was, was, that, it was brilliant we went down to the very last game of the season and it was between us Airdrie and Stranra Stranra where I think they were a point ahead um, with a lesser goal difference Airdrie were the same points as us with a better goal difference so was like, I remember the, the last game of the season the game was playing and it was one of those ones where some, the fans have got it on the radio and you can hear somebody got it on the phone and next minute um, it was half time I think Airdrie were winning we were winning um, and Stranra were drawn and then later on in the game we've we then go and score three goals I think we're three nil up and then Airdrie are two nil up and it's I think it's a draw in the points and the goal difference I think Stranra were drawn still so at one point you're like oh here we go uh, and then I think Stranra had scored uh, I'm sure it was Stranra Stranra had scored and then Airdrie ended up scoring we scored again but then we lost one uh, and everybody just kind of finished but I think it was a point between the, the three teams so it was, it was a great finish I mean, for Albion Rovers to get a point off of getting into the playoffs was, was unbelievable um, and, and something that you could never have imagined uh, we were stuck with a lot of members as well at the end of the season with a lot of injuries and uh, we're down to the bare bones and we're sitting I was still on the bench as well I think we're down to maybe two or three subs so it was, it was great and just the, the togetherness of the squad the guys being together and digging in just to try and get his overlining was was brilliant. You touched on something there that that really kind of intrigued me in terms of the recruitment. How much do you have to sell yourself to the players coming in and and kind of strike up that relationship that ensures they want to play with you, they want to be signing extensions to the contracts and remain at football clubs, particularly with like the likes Albion Rovers where. You don't have the the state of the art facilities or anything to sell to them. You've got to really be kind of building a project that that appeals to the players and a good working environment. Yeah, yeah, I think for, obviously the guys had been there, they'd seen it. There's other guys, obviously by by word of mouth, uh, we've had it where there's a couple of players who've actually left the club and they've actually asked guys, look, we take the gaffer, we take me back. Do you think this? Do you think that? Guys that are maybe looking to maybe come and play with you because. I don't know. Well, obviously, we must be doing something right, but it's, it's one of those things. As long as they're enjoying training, it's the team's doing well. I think if you weren't doing well, training wasn't enjoyable. Cause, you know, one thing, certainly not a money thing. We've had a couple of guys that have obviously signed. I'm like, oh, look, I need to be another 20 quid, 30 quid. And I'm like, look, I can't. This is at the end of the day. You're either you're signing somebody maybe 150 quid, 180 quid, and it's like if I, if I don't get you for 180, then I need to get somebody else for 180. Or if I can't mm. get you for 150, then 
and it's literally that way. You've got your budget. We'll work out the start of the season. We'll get X amount to spend. Um, things like players don't really think about this. Cup runs, you, you go and do well in the Scottish Cup, you get in a certain round, and you're maybe adding 20, 30 grand towards the club, which maybe mean that you maybe get a bit more at the end of the season on the budget. Even as like finishing as high as you can in the league, I think every, every kind of league spot or points maybe is probably two and a half grand or something like that towards the club. So it's, it's things like that that, um, for instance, we get, we get knocked out of the Cup VSC uh, this year, and again, they go and get East Cobride and they manage to beat East Cobride. So, I mean, that, that probably that probably cost the club maybe 30 grand, 35 grand or something, it's because you're not going to win that game and manage to get yourself through to the next sort of the bigger round in the Scottish Cup. So, it's wee, it's wee things like that. But of course, in the, the following season, you didn't agree on a contract with, with Rovers. I had it. Had the time come that you felt it was necessary that you moved on? You had perhaps taken the club as far as, as you felt you could? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there was there's a, there's a bit of a boom, to be honest. Um, first of all, during the season, um, there was an opportunity to go to another team. Um, and on the previous chairman, um, there was a kind of agreement in place that because of how well I'd done for the, for the club, obviously winning the first league in 42 years and then just missing out in the playoffs um, that basically if a team comes in for you and you get the opportunity then they're not going to stand in your way so it was a team in a, another division as well so we're saying right um, never happened they, they were asking for, for silly money uh, which was ridiculous uh, and the, the next the, the next part off the back of that was within a, within a month um, of that happening um, they actually turned around the chairman and sat, sat me and Billy down and, and asked if he would take a wage cut uh, because of the situation at the club now I don't know any manager who a month earlier has got a chance to go to a, another team to better his career and improve himself obviously there would have been more money etc etc but it was a chance to go to a bigger a bigger part time team um, after everything I'd done for them and turn around and then they've got the, the kind of cheek to ask if he would take a wage cut so <laughs> For me, at that point in time, I was a new chairman that came in, but at that point in time, that's not the way you do business, or that's not the way you kind of repay guys who have done very well for you and given the club a couple of good couple of years of of happy times, good times, good memories. Um, after that, then we got the we managed to make Queen of the South, it was Queen Queen of the South in the cup, sorry, and the. And I'm sure in the background things weren't great money wise uh, for the club, and I kind of knew that myself. Me and a few others knew that, but again, it's one of the things you have to kind of keep keep away from the players. Um, so we're playing, we get the draw with Queen of the South. It's called off. Again, the, the, the Scottish Cup draws on the on the Sunday, I think it was. Celtic have come out the heart, so all of a sudden, if it's us are Queen of the South, ever wins against Celtic, so. I must have been up to about four, five, six in the morning uh, the day of the game, knowing fine well that if we get this game, then it's worth a hell of a lot of money to the club and we'd, we'd see the club to the end of the season. That's just the way it was kind of getting to it. For me, that was the way it was feeling uh, at that point in time. So we get the we get the game, we go up 1-0, so you're just kind of buzzing. Uh, we go down to the, the draw, pull us back one each. Ryan Walsh gets sent off. Um, and there's 10 minutes to go, so you're thinking, oh God, let's try and hang on and maybe get a replay. So I remember, there was about a minute to go, and I'm screaming at Elise, and I'm like, come on, that's it, time up, it goes, damn, there's still a minute to go. So the goalkeeper takes it by kick, and I'm, I'm like, let's get this game finished, we're down to 10 men. 
Um, I think it was with Ross Stewart, maybe as someone jumped up, flicked the ball on, and it was uh, it was Paul. No, it was uh, Ross. Ross Gunning, I think it was Ross. Uh, he was running through. He dribbled through. He was the first up. Gets a tackle. The tackle comes in and it falls to Paul Willis. Paul Willis ties on. He was the sex sub. He is the strike. Goalie drops it or spills it out. And Carl Ferguson, the third sub. So we've got three subs. They've all come on. They've combined. They've got the winning goal. There's no time left. The fans are on the pitch. The players are in the stand. We're on the pitch. Everyone's going mental. And it was one of the biggest, like, huge relief ever. Just a massive weight off your shoulder. Because you knew the end that. You've got Celtic in the next round. I think they took centre and a kick off, and that was it. They've got Celtic in the next round. They're going to make. I think the club ended up making about 170,000 off the back of it. They played the Airdrie Full Stadium, sold out on Sky TV, the whole lot, brilliant. And that and that kind of money went to the club to the end of the season. But even at the end of the season, when they started talking about a lot of stuff, uh, and it was the, 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 the way they handled things, the way they went about things was was wrong. Received letters through. As far as I was concerned, I was still kind of trying to negotiate. Um, I was trying to actually help with, along with Tony McQuinn as well at the time to, to try and bring other revenue streams into the club, to which they weren't really listening to us. Um, again, we were over, massively over and above what I should have been kind of doing anyway. But because you've got that soft spot for the club, because you want to do as best you can, then we were trying our best to kind of show them how we do things. But it wasn't to be. Um, it was something like, I think it was like 60% cut in my wages and like a 40% cut in the budget, to which my first reaction to them was, this is a relegation budget, um, to which they say as well, we don't agree that it is. Uh, and then obviously a year later, um, I was right. So they, they went down. Um, but it's just, it's just one of those things that the... We had, I think it was, it was a goalie coach, Lindsay Hamilton, got a, he got a letter through. Um, and it was, it was funny because he says, Gaffer, he says, you know, with me for next year. I says, what is it, Lindsay? And he says, oh, I've got a letter through. I said, thank you for your services, but it'll be no longer required um, for next season. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, Billy Stark, he gets the letter through, Tony gets the letter through, and I get the letter through. So before they even came and spoke to us and says, no, we, we don't really want you to try and help with trying to get any more money in, etc., etc., they'd actually gone and sent a letter out. So they never even had the decency to, to speak to me face to face to say this. Oh, all they did was, oh, that shouldn't have happened. And I'm like, right, well, I've just been over your, your 135 year history in the club. And, I've statistically, the UK was was doing all this stuff. I had been the uh, the most thingy manager in their in their history. So to, to be treated like that as well was don't get it wrong. It was a kind of joke by the end. You're kind of laughing about it just because of the way things were going. We we certain things in the background, but it was a it was a good learning curve. Put it that way. Hey, how does the offer of free beer sound to you? Yes, free beer. Thanks to our friends at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash MFC, pay the postage, and what's more, you'll get two extra free beers, so that's a total of ten free beers. Beer52.com forward slash MFC. So we spent a bit of time there looking back. Let's look ahead to, to next season. Obviously, at the moment, we don't know exactly when play will resume. October's been penciled in. Whether that'll be with supporters inside the stadium, we don't we don't know. It's it's all kind of up in the air. First of all, I'd imagine that you're you're very keen to have the guys back and 
and prepare for the season ahead. It's going to be different. Uh, circumstances are going to be very different for all of Scottish football next season. Uh, given it will be almost seven months since your last game, come October, uh, I guess the sooner the better. Um, yeah, of course. The, again, it's, <laughs> you're obviously wanting to get back as, as quick as possible. The players are getting kind of itchy feet now. It's they're desperate to just to get back out in the training pitch. But I think one of the things you, you, they can't really do this because of this furlough thing. Um, and we're not meant to be kind of having any kind of contact. Which I, I know it's obviously for certain jobs and stuff. But at the same time, part of your job is the boys need to kind of be fit. And you need to be kind of trained so that when you do come back, you're you're ready to work. Um, so. But I think um, it's looking like maybe the 3rd of October for a League Cup section and the 17th of October for the League. So we'll be maybe back the, the end of August um, to back into pre-season and, and get the boys kind of ticking over again. But again, we'll send out an email where we usually do uh, just where they've got the pre-season programme so that they'll maybe start working about a month before it and then they're ready by the time pre-season comes round. We talked about the fact that you've got players already signed up and a good number of players at that. But what's the, the possibility of players being lost to the game as a result of this epidemic? There's obviously a lot of uncertainty in terms of whether clubs are going to be able to fulfil contracts and such like. Does that risk that particularly younger players that were perhaps at the tipping point of their careers perhaps end up having to, to seek employment elsewhere and... and become lost to, to football, which I know it, it sounds a bit extreme, but it it does seem like a very distinct possibility with all the uncertainty in the world just now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, it's a bit of both for everyone, because you, you're probably going to find you've got full-time teams not really be able to pay that much now, um, and you might find a lot of guys full-time who are good enough for full-time that will probably just go down to part-time, because the money they get for part-time is, is going to be is going to be very good compared to just going full time, and then if they get a job, they're, they're, they're probably even doubling their wages. So it's it's that way that guys are now. I mean, we've got um, Chris Chris Higgins that can drop down last year. Obviously, he's getting on a wee bit, but again, he's probably similar. He's been going year to year, um, and then he's like, right, he's came and signed for us. He's got himself a job, and he's you know, the money he's kind of making is probably more than we get full time and it gets for me as well guys are just getting to that that point where they're saying you're, you're kind of saying oh, I'm a full time footballer just for the sake of saying you're a full time footballer financially it's, you're not really better off and if you're now in a, in a situation where you're going year to year with contracts and there's, there's no security there you've got mortgages you've got car payments you've got missus kids whatever it may be mod, uh, weddings to pay for or whatever then, then it's it starts to make sense that, <laughs> that you're, you're, if you're going to get that kind of guaranteed income, although part-time's not kind of guaranteed as well, but it's, it's still you still get the good wages coming in and then you've also got your, your job that you can kind of work towards and, and improve and, and, and better yourself and kind of start to get yourself on the ladder for the time that comes when you can't play football, then you're, but I think your job hopefully is, is kind of paying a lot more and you've worked your way up the whatever job situation or recruitment it is. And that's something that you seem to be doing in football management. You've obviously got to a great start with Rovers and then have carried that into your role at East Fife. What are your aspirations in the game? Do you, do you have aspirations to, to manage at a higher level? Yeah, um, over the years I've had a few interviews. Um, 
there was there was one after when they were in the league there was a, an interview at Dumbarton um, again I felt like that was too early because I was still kind of playing manager at the time with Albion it was just the first season and um, I remember we just got everyone all signed up um, and I felt like I was still too kind of inexperienced for it because Sandy would Sandy Clark at the time would take most of the training I was still kind of learning and, and I was still playing so I felt to kind of move on after me getting everybody signed up player-wise and squad-wise for Albion Rovers then uh, and I didn't think it was the right time because they, they, at the same time they, they went for um, Aiken they, they ended up going for Aiken but I think during the interview I probably never really talked myself up or I just kind of, I just kind of felt I knew myself that it wasn't kind of the right time and uh, again last season as well there was um, uh, United had a, an interview for their United job as well it's it's obviously a chance to maybe go back full time. Um, at the time they were, they were sitting top of the championship, and United, and uh, they were going well. We were going well at his five, but it's just that way to, for me to try and get back to full time. And I know we need to maybe take another step up before I go and take another step up. And it's if, if I'm doing well, and the players are doing well, and the clubs are doing well, and then that that'll, that'll be good for me. And uh, and again, it's at the same time as I said earlier on, you're, you're still kind of looking at bringing guys in, improving players, getting the best out of them, and then whether it's players going on and get sold, or whether it's players uh, just going on to, to, to full-time and back to full-time, then so be it. And how impressed have you been by the reaction of Scottish football to this, in, in terms of things like the great work that clubs are doing in the communities, and the resilience that the fans have shown as well, to, to try and rally round and, and back the, the clubs to the hill? There's been countless examples of, of fundraisers towards ensuring the existence of, of many football clubs. It's it's been quite heartening in, in the sense that it seems like the the wider football community in Scotland are, are rallying round to ensure that no clubs are lost as a result of these times. Yeah, no, it's just been great. The GoFundMe things is, is, is probably been a godsend for, for a lot of teams and uh, especially with the positions that they've been in, um, East Fife as well. We we managed to get one as well. But I mean, I think from East Fife's point of view, we may have kind of very well run the chairman, the board of. I think they've maybe been in profit the last couple of seasons, but it's again down to the way they run it, and again they'll they'll live by their means. Um, so I, I wouldn't say by any means have been comfortable, but it's obviously it's been it's been hard times. But at the same time, uh, I think because of the way it's been run, then. A price kind of solid footing. Uh, other clubs are you're hearing kind of horror stories and hearing this and hearing that, but at the same time, it's with the fans, the, the, the amount of every club I think has is, is been helped out in some way or another. And then right at the end, to top off, this guy James Anderson just kind of comes in and everybody's got an extra 50 grand to, to help out. So again, that couldn't kind have of come up at a time, and again, I, I think everyone appreciates that. But there is, there is a real togetherness um, and again as you said about the fans as well when, when will we have the fans back um, hopefully the sooner the better I, I think with the social distancing maybe down to the two metres to the one metre hopefully soon that in Scotland anyway that you could maybe get for, for us anyway for the lower league clubs are maybe averaging five, six maybe seven hundred then there might be scope for fans to come into the ground and, and, and kind of do that um, but at the time the game start maybe October the 3rd you're hoping that that time that the maybe it has kind of calmed down even more and uh, we don't have a second wave obviously a lot of this stuff uh, comes off of if everything's okay second wave side of, uh, side of things and, and in terms of, of, of next season as well is it is aspirations to 
to push on and, and go better than, than last season? You, you weren't far away. Did it, would the playoffs be the, the goal? I think, it's, again, it's something to aim for. We had, uh, in the last five or six years, you, you've been sort of 50, 52 points for the to get into the playoffs. I think you're part of the one season. So I think yeah, we, we're always kind of... We're always kind of aiming for the 13, 14 point mark, and if we can get that or do that by the time we're, by the time sort of come round, then you're kind of there or thereabouts. This year we were on target, um, and obviously uh, that happened. So, but it looked like it was going to have to be more than the 52 uh, with ourselves and Charles and Yardry all kind of fighting out and kind of Falkirk and Rafe at the top there. Um, the, this season again, we'll just kind of as we do, we take it quarter by quarter, and if we can kind of aim to get there, then if you're there or thereabouts in the last quarter, like we were this season, then you can you can kind of kick on and just that wee bit of momentum, just kind of kind of pushes you over the line. So, yeah, it's, it's something that we're, we're kind of aiming for. It's going to be a harder league again. I think with the Cove coming in, they've got a bit of money in they're spending. Um, coming in ahead of Shinra, Partick again, probably a bigger club than, than Rafe, they've kind of dropped down. So it's there's, there's no easy games and. Um, everybody will be kind of be kind of at it. Um, so you need to be if you can get a good start. One of the things is it's, you're only going to have three quarters of your season, so um, you're not going to kind of have a slow start and it puts you under pressure. And, and just finally, it came as somewhat a surprise in terms of the SPFL giving it an option for the the lower league clubs to to be part of the league cup. You've already talked about the fact that these five will be will be taking up their place in the the sections and. You got the rewards from that this season when you got through the group and then obviously got a tie against Rangers as well. Is that a no-brainer when it comes to the, the lower leagues taking part in the competition? It certainly seems like it from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, no, I, I quite like the section, how they've done it. I think it's really good, uh, the League Cup. Um, you've got your, if you get a draw, you've got your bonus point for the penalties and stuff like that, so... It's, I think it's a really good, a good idea. One of the, one of the better ones that the, the league have done. Uh, but no, it's the incentives there. I mean, it was great last year. We started off with the Cowd Beast, and then we knew we'd be sort to win the games, and we did. We, we managed to within a week we'd beaten Stranra, we'd beaten Dungeon United midweek, and then we threw my hearts and beat them in the penalties. So we managed to get through, and then obviously the rewards for the players, and the fans, and the board is, is to get Rangers in the next round. So uh, it was great for, for that side of things. Dan, I would like to thank you for your time tonight. It's been very, very interesting. I wish you all the very best for the forthcoming season. Take care. No, no problem. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. Cheers now. Superstar, doesn't matter what you ask, 
a good car, get out of here. Well, put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit. Mind, body and spirit. You better hear it and fear it. Oh, that's the spirit. Saying sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you. Let's go rinse to rinse and take the skin off of my sister. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit. Mind, body and spirit. You better hear it and fear it. Ah, oh, that's the spirit. Saying sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you. Let's go wrist to wrist and take the skin off of a blister. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about those boys in the better land. The boys in a better life